You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Hello and welcome to another hour accentuating the positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective whom I've called blissful beings. On Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are, instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Please subscribe and support positive media you can stay up to date with the show on accentuate the positive radio with karen swain on facebook or go to karenswain.com and you'll see most of the podcasts there we are on (laughs) we are on (laughs) hello welcome to accentuate the positive here with karen swain on soul traveler radio i'm so excited to have the everyday medium, I don't know about that title, but everyday medium, Jamie Butler, the founder of the Love and Light Centre and the Lighter Side Show. Hello, Jamie. How are you? So great to have Hello, you. Hello, Corinne. How are you? Great. Jamie and I have been dancing around each other for oh, a year or so now. Actually. Yes. You're, you're a busy gal. You're up to a lot. And it's very exciting to hear about what you've, you know, what you've been doing in the last year. A lot of people would know Jamie from the Channeling Eric series, which is an amazing phenomenon. I tell you what, I just loved what was happening on the Channeling Eric thing. But you've got big dreams, big plans, and we're going to talk about those during this interview. So it's so great to have you on the show. I'm all open. Two <laughs> girls, same great vision and meditating. I sit down and I meditate on the you know people that you're going to interact with. It's kind of, I call it the cheat sheet. I don't know if you do this too. And I kind of hang on the name and kind of look at them and connect to them energetically. And when we reached back out to have another interview, I just went, who's this girl? Who is she? I was like, tell her yes. We're like, really? And I was like, yes, but you please tell her yes. I was like, this is great. This is phenomenal. Oh, she's in Australia. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I was like, we're, we're waking up people. We're doing the same thing. I was like, Absolutely. and so I tried to refrain as much as possible from kind of hunting you down, really, in the internet and the social media world, um, because I didn't want it to kind of influence where I thought you wanted to go with it and everything. And then upon starting this, I just feel like I've made a friend. It's yeah. just... Soul sister. Soul sister. That's so funny. I wanted to say that and I thought, mm, is that term a little like too woo-woo? Do you think she'd laugh at it? You know, because I'm human and you start to think about how are people going to hear you? <laughs> because one of the main goals is like we were talking before is taking all of this and just dumbing it down, making it digestible, making it everyday, hence the term everyday medium. Everyday medium. So I asked Jamie before the show, how would you like me to introduce you? And she says everyday medium. And I go, mm, sounds a bit cheesy American stuff. You know? 
Because, you know, I've got to say, Jamie is not an everyday medium. I've been in this industry for a long time and I've seen some amazing healers, some amazing psychics. You know, I started waking up in, uh, when I was a teenager and started asking questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What's it all about, Alfie? So I've seen a lot. And when I first saw you online doing the Eric's things, I was blown away at your ability to see, you know, to see. Because what yeah. happens when, you, when you're seeing is you you look like you're seeing with your eyes, like you're, it's kind of like you go, oh, there he is, he's sitting over there on the cat. It's like you're looking with your eyes. And that's something I wanted to talk to you about because, you know, I see in my mind's eye, but I don't see with my eyes eyes. I see light and I see orbs and I see lights around people and colours around people, but I don't see people like non-physical entities. Do you actually see them with your real eyes? Yeah, I see them with my... I call it my outside eyes. Outside, outside eyes. And I've often wondered why when I was little, I would see them just the same. And I think that maybe my abilities developed that way because I would see people. So I designed the way that I interacted with energy to be similar to that. So it was okay. And it's just the way that it carried on all the way up. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that it's any different. There took a time when I was 18, I started to come out publicly with it. Uh -huh. And so I've been um, doing this now for 25 years. Yeah. There's times where they will work with me inside of my head and I literally think I'm going crazy. You know, there's other voices in my head and I think I drew such a hard line that I needed to stay me, not to encroach on it. Maybe I just didn't know how to adapt to it. So even when I hear voices, they sound as if, they're here on the outside rather than on the inside. But there's a few spirits who will talk in my head. And boy, that throws me for a loop. And there's wow. sometimes they show the pictures in the head. And I'm like, I feel like I'm not in the room, but I'm in the room, but I don't know what's going on. So I'm more comfortable seeing them with my eyes. Yeah, your ability blows me away. Because when I found the Channeling Eric blog, I watched, I was hooked. I kind of started watching all the videos and watched you talk to so many different entities, so many different forms of consciousness in different planes and different realities. And then really looked at how you were communicating with them. And, and you talked about, you know, some of them were talking like surround sound. Some of them were coming from here. Some of them were inside your head. Like it was all happening in a different way. And you were sort of adjusting to the way that the energy was being transmitted and, and you were translating it. It was really, it was really fascinating to see that. It's just fascinating. I find it fascinating, <laughs> the whole thing. The Eric part, when um, Elisa proposed that we start having Eric bring in other entities. Yeah. You know, she was like, listen, I think this is a great idea. And I was like, well, you know, I'm good with just us three because that's always been the way I work. Mm -hmm. And of course, come on, if you have these abilities, like I tried to connect with Elvis, <laughs> you know, like love Elvis, never would show up. I could never find the celebrities. I could never do that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, why would that even be important, right? You know, when we really get down to it, I don't need to. But Eric just had this way where he could almost just drag them in. And it was a hard thing to understand, you know, with my own abilities and my own self-worth to have them in the room because I had tried personally for so long. But here, this kid is just dragging them in and we're talking to him. That was really interesting. And then the multidimensional beings... And how they communicated, it was like really challenging 
you know, to just calm down, do the work, stay neutral, stay on the fence, you know, stop the inner dialogue that I wanted to have and just do the work and check out. So we were having this conversation before about making this more mainstream because, you know, as I've had with lots of conversations on the show lately, the world is waking up. I mean, you look on mass media and you don't see that happening anytime soon. But then having been in this industry for such a long time, watching the ground swell and watching people. And you know what's fascinating? Like one of my favourite interviews is Garnet Schulhauser, who was a conservative corporate lawyer for 50, well, he was in his late 50s when his spirit guide appeared to him as a homeless man on the street. He had been asking, like, why am I here? What's life all about? He'd been asking the big questions, but he had not been reading any spiritual books. And he was just woken up, bang, and then he's been writing these amazing books and going on astral travels with his spirit guide, Albert, throughout the universe. And like you, he saw Albert on the street as a physical being. And he thought everybody else could see him, which I thought was really hilarious because here's this man walking down the street in a three-piece suit and he stops because this homeless man jumps in front of him and he thinks he's looking at a physical being. And he even, when he was interacting with him later, he was touching him and thinking he was talking to a homeless man. And it was a spirit guide and Albert said nobody else could see him. (laughs) Can you imagine? It's phenomenal. Like I thought as growing up, everybody saw the world the way I did. Wow. I thought everybody saw the other people that had lights and clown buttons, the little chakras, uh-huh. and the light that shines off the animals, the purple cats and the yellow trees and the, you know, everything had a glow to it. I just thought that was norm. You know, until you, until you start getting kicked out of art class because you can't draw what you see, you know, realistic art class. The teachers start questioning you on why you know stuff and you haven't been taught yet. And my mother, you know, just got fed up with me telling her what was going to happen before it was happening and saving seats for people she couldn't see, but they were so tangible and real for me, but I couldn't get the world to respond with me. And so you just kind of quietly, I did, I just kind of quietly shut down for a little while until I moved away to college. And from 18 on, it's just been a ride as being human and dealing with all the the spirits that are around us. So when you're a teenager, when you said you shut down, did you sort of say enough and stop seeing them? No, it was when I was around six, my mother had just had it. And so my mother made me say goodbye to those imaginary friends, to the people I was talking to and learning from. And she made sure that, you know, when we drove away from vacation, that they were staying behind and she reminded me and she made sure I was cutting it loose. They had a hard time handling it and I was getting older I was in school. I shouldn't have this nonsense anymore. I'm sure it was exhausting and tiring. And from that moment on, I didn't see them in my space anymore, but I I would feel them and I would dream about them. And honestly, as soon as I moved away to college and I had my own space with my brother, I started seeing things out of the corner of my eye. Things started happening. Dishes would fall out and roll. My keys would get stored in the refrigerator. Deadbolts would get locked. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff happening. And, you know, your two roommates going, I swear, I swear I didn't touch anything. And you're just like, who do I trust? What's going down? And then having to manage that it's all coming back in. And the stuff they were saying was really beautiful. It was all like, we love you. We support you. You're okay. But I'm like, oh, I'm not having this, you know, fingers in the ears, rocking, you know, asking them, go away, go away, go away. I, I can't tell you how many nights that I would just rock 
in the corner of my room and sleep on top of pillows because I was afraid to get into bed because they would be there. Hey, Jamie, how you doing? Do you have a great day? And just like, no, go away, go away. Bizarre, right? Why would I run from the nice voices? I love it. It's fascinating. What I'm thinking is, you know, we talked about you being the everyday medium and I'm thinking you're no everyday medium. But what I'm thinking is the kids, you know, the kids coming in because you're, you're the way shower, right? Like you're not alone. There are others out there like you, but not a lot in your generation. But the kids coming in, you know, phenomenal, right? Phenomenal. And so you're like, I've been there. I know, I know. You're the keeper for them. Like I'm just sort of seeing what you're doing. It's amazing because there's so many kids coming in. Because I, you know, I've had clients that bring their children and the poor mothers, they, they don't understand. They're not, you know, with right. the program and their kids are just doing all these amazing things and they're like, what's going on? And you've got to say, they're not crazy. They're not on the spectrum. They're they don't just, need medication. They don't need medication. Oh, God. Do they so came, not need medication? Mm. I came home one day. And when my husband and I decided to have children, you know, we definitely wanted children. We had to really sit down and talk it out. I said, what if... Because this has been handed down in my family, what if our children do this? He was like, okay, you know, he's pretty cool. And he's like, well, we're just not going to talk about it. We're not going to tell them you do this. And I said, I'm in for that. We don't have the spiritual garb. We don't have crystals in my house. We don't have nothing, nothing like that. It's kind of modern, a little dull. We don't talk that language. And I don't whip out my Reiki hands every time something happens. You know, I kind of do it behind scenes. And one day I came home, my son was maybe three and a half, and he was on the floor crying, like hysterical, sobbing, shaking. And my husband's doing dishes. You know, he's like aggressively doing dishes. And I'm like, dude, you're going to help the kid? He goes, I've done everything. This is your territory. He's like, just go talk to him. I was like, oh my God, what? And he's chanting, I broke it, I broke it, I broke it, I broke it. I was like, listen, kid, whatever you broke, it's okay. We can fix it. It's not important as long as you're okay. No, I broke it, mama. I was like, show me. So he rolled over on his back because he's curled up on the floor and he had his hands locked over like his belly button and he just like peeled his fingers back like this and he showed me beneath his belly button. He said, I broke it, mama. It not spinning. And I was like, oh. I was like, he, oh, uh, he's talking about his shockers, right? So I went, oh, oh. I said, what's not spinning? He says, dat, and he put his finger in it. And I said, well, uh, does it have a color? He said, yeah, it brown. And he started sobbing and he goes, it's supposed to be orange. And I was like, oh my God, like goosebumps telling it. I was like, dude, not only did he point to the location, he knew it spin. He knew it had a motion and he knew the color was wrong. And so I said, listen, are you having a hard time pooping? You know, like, do you need some that? He's like, yes. And I said, okay, well, we'll deal with, you know, your congestion here and it'll go back to working. And so he kind of laid off of it. I gave him a belly rub. And in the morning before we woke up, you could hear him in his room going, it fixed, it fixed. And he was so excited. And you're like, okay, okay, here I know it's a controlled environment. I know I never taught that child what chakras were, that they had color, that they spun, the, just everything. And he was coming up with his own language. I and mean, he would call his hands flashlights. Wow. And he would call the action, he'd say, I shine in. He says, oh, mama, you shine in today. You're happy. Mm-hmm. You know, and he would just leave the room. And you're like, okay. 
He called you ugly when you were lying because you weren't shining when you lied and therefore you were ugly. He didn't mean that you were ugly looking. The energy was ugly. So he'd tell you that. He would tell people, his teachers, when they were pregnant and they weren't sharing that they were pregnant. And they would call me in as a parent and be like, "Um, Ms. De Silva, um, I am pregnant and your child announced it and classed it. And I'm not sharing. I was like, oh my God. And he came whizzing out and he goes like, baby in the belly. And he's pointing to the teacher's belly. I was like, okay, um, there's certain things, baby, that you're going to see that you don't share anymore. And you know, it was devastating to tell him that you couldn't just talk about it and uh, use it just like the other five senses. He started to clamp it down. He had to gauge it, you know, just to be norm like the rest. And so it was a really rocky road to, to walk. And it wasn't until last year, he's 10, he's 11 now. He said, mom, is, is it okay if I don't really talk about the dead people anymore? And I said, yeah, babe, you got to do what you want to do. And he said, okay. You know, so it's kind of been quiet in our house, a little sad, but blessings for him in my life because it helped me feel normal, you know, because mm-hmm. here he certainly wasn't coming in with a teacher, promise you that. And my husband definitely wasn't doing anything. And, and they're showing us these abilities and how easy they are and, and how we can learn that something's off within us if we just engage in that subtle light energy or the chakra system you know, it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And this is everything that I've wanted to do. I've just wanted to be, I say it in my little mantra, I want to be the Martha Stewart of spirituality. I want to have like, <laughs> you know, the little cute arts and crafts desk. And we talk about energy and chakras and what they do and just kind of wake everybody up. And then when they want to dive into it deeper, I want to slingshot them to all the wonderful teachers and hosts and gurus and everything that we have out there. Because a lot of people can't find that little jump to get into the information, you know, grab a big book like Deepak or um, Gary Zukoff or even, oh my God, who wrote The Power of Now? I got Tolle. Tolle. His words, right? They're yeah. like, oh, all these writers are like big and wonderful. And people get stuck two chapters in it going, uh, you know, so I just want to quietly wake them up. So they read the books and they go deeper and they find it. Mm-mm. Well, you and the kids are waking them up because, the, you know, you just can't ignore what's going on with the children. So how old was your son when he was saying it's broken? He was about four at the time, was he? Yeah, he was about three and a half. The first time, he didn't start speaking English until he was about three. He spoke Portuguese oh around two. And um, I was still pregnant. So he would be two and a half is the first time uh, he spoke about seeing someone and having them go away. So and he was speaking was, Portuguese. Uh, is your husband Portuguese? He is. He's Brazilian. <laughs> yeah. Is he just telling Portuguese? <laughs> yeah. In our household, the husband is the Mr. Mom. So he stayed at home and only spoke Portuguese and, okay. and raised him. But when he first started talking, he was probably two and a half. And he talked about seeing. And he'd always ask, who dat, mama? Who dat? You know, or he'd walk around, show his hands, and he'd put them on you, and he'd count to 10, and then he'd look at it and go, nope. He'd put it back on, he'd count, and he'd go, okay, it done, come play. Like, he did you a favor. Like, I fixed you, now you come play with me. And I would tell my friends, hey, man, he did you a solid, you better go play. They're like, what's your kid doing? I'm like, anything. Just think about the future and when he's like in his 30s and 40s and and all that come after him. Like, just think about the future, isn't it? Oh, Karen, you're giving me goosebumps. I know. know. 
What a world is going to be, right? What the world is going to be. I know, but look, you know, here's the thing. We were talking about this year being the year of illumination. You know, there's all that politics going on in the States, which is so fascinating, the whole Hillary and Bernie and, oh, my God. Imagine if everyone had that ability to see. There would be no lying. There would be no undercover stuff because you could see energy, right? So so everything would have to be, there would have to be authenticity and exposure. You couldn't be a thief. You couldn't be... so this is something that happened to me when I was young. So as a young girl, not not really psychic but intuitive, I don't know what the hell was going on. I wasn't thinking about it too much when I was a kid. But I knew when people were lying and they would smile at me and say things. Like that. And I just thought, like I just thought I was crazy because I knew they were lying and I just, yeah, I didn't, couldn't work it out. I just couldn't they work it out. They were being ugly. <laughs> They were, I was not seeing their energy probably like your son. I was feeling it. I was sensing it. I was knowing it. I was knowing that what they were saying and what I knew about them was different. But I couldn't argue with them because I had to accept that what they're saying to me is the truth because they're saying it to me and otherwise I'm calling them a liar. And that was very confusing for me as a child. And what, wow. you know, mum dies when I'm, you know, she gets sick and dies when I'm 16. So I start asking questions and that was the beginning of it all. Like, who are we? So that's when I started picking up all those Deepak Chopper books and stuff like that. He was actually my wake up call Deepak because I could not come at God at all. I was probably an atheist. I just couldn't come at what the religions were saying about God. Every time I listened to someone, I'm thinking, that's bullshit. <laughs> and then Deepak said, God is a field an infinite field of potential. And I said, wow, I can get that. Yeah, I kind of grew up Baptist and uh, I I would sit in church as a little kid and just go, that's not right. That's That's not right. And I remember my mom handing me paper and pencils and going, just draw, just tune out, just draw. And I'm like, that's not right. And I remember being walked out of church. It didn't feel right. You're right. I church taught quite a bit in college, just trying to find that fit. I wanted to belong. When I was talking to Elisa last year, we were talking about the energies within America because America is such a different land to Australia. So here in Australia, we've got this massive land and a very small population. I think there's about 26 million of us on the on the whole continent, right, this massive continent. And so there's a freedom here that, that's like no other place. There's like a freedom of thought. There's a freedom of energy. A lot of spiritual teachers who come here say they feel that. And Mm. in the States, there's so much of that religious, dogmatic sort of ideology and ways of thinking. And I was talking about that with Elisa. She said, poor Jamie, she's down in the South, you know, with all that. Bible Belt. The Bible Belt. So what's it like being you in the Bible Belt? That's the question I'm trying to ask. I have often wondered how the hell did I end up like here? Like I could have, I could be in California with like-minded people. Colorado, you know, there are some great places in the States where we're just abundantly yeah. thinking the same way. Yeah. And in here, there's a lot of people that aren't. And I would go and speak to colleges, lecture rooms, classes. And my friend once told me, he said, here in the Bible Belt, he says, you're going to find a wolf in every room. And he said, address the wolf. And then you'll have control over the room to listen to you. I said, okay. And it was a polite way of him saying, hey, we have very strong religious beliefs. And you're going to find one person that has strong enough to speak up and say, what you're doing is talking to the devil. You're playing God. You're occulting, you know, this whole phenomenon. It's not real. Mm -hmm. And to address it 
was to talk a bit more about science and kind of show them that this is actually like questioning our ability to smell or our ability to touch or to feel. And dumbing it down that way allowed them to question it and they could see that it was no longer a belief system to a god, but it was a human ability mm. as in the real traditional five senses. And so we got to, I got to separate it just enough to where you could talk about being intuitive, that it wouldn't spike anybody. And he would tell me, he goes, I think that's why you're here. You know, just talk about it because there's so many people suffering because they're in this religious, they're in this belief system, and there's no room for them to be themselves. Yet, they're not interested in leaving it. They like their religion. It fits them well, yeah. except this one part. Mm. And so the way I like to at least teach it, it's not into any one religious belief system, but how do you yourself as a tool or an instrument show up in that belief system? So you can kind of, you fit in everywhere. So it's been a struggle, you know, and I definitely did not open my mouth up when I moved here. I was like, oh, I bag groceries. I would literally tell people I bag groceries at the grocery store because they wouldn't ask anything else about it. And then sure enough, someone would go, oh, wait, you're the one who sees dead people. And it was just like, where's yeah, your best friend? closet now? <laughs> but the whole channeling Eric phenomena, like totally got you out of that closet. It's like, no going back now. You know, you're out there on the internet. It was fantastic. <laughs> Look, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. There were some, a lot of questions that I'd had that were answered during those interviews. And then more people came into my life that I interviewed that just expanded on it. Like last year was a huge expansion for knowing who we are and where we go and what else happens. And, and it just blew my mind. It's like, whoa, this human experience is so tiny in comparison to what, you know, what else is possible. But here we are, we are here. We are here on this in this human experience, so we have to be here in this. Now I sort of understand why you want to call yourself the everyday medium because you're surrounded by people that yeah need to need to come to it slowly because of that thick yeah collective thick culture. Yeah, there's yeah. a church on every corner. Mm. When you get outside of a neighborhood, there is a religious establishment on every corner here in Atlanta, wow. in the south. And so it just shows you how much it is in our culture and how it helps people find their perseverance, their faith, their strength, things of that nature. But equally, those who are sensitive are, are suffering and they want to know why their God isn't helping them. Yeah. It's not so much their God is definitely, the God is helping, but it's more of how do you know your body well enough? You know, how, how can you have the words to it? I think communication is the number one number one thing that we are missing, the number one tool. And I love Eric Metis would just get bent backwards when he would, he gets so rowdy. It was just like, chill out. He's like, there's not a word for it. And he'd say a few cuss words and he'd be like, somebody make a word for it. I was like, yeah, we need more language words to express exactly what we're doing. Yeah. And, and that's something that Esther was really, is really good at, you know, Esther Hicks from the Abraham teachings. You know, she is bringing through new combinations of words to explain things really beautifully, I think. This woman that I was speaking to this week, the channel I was telling you about, uh, Michaela, you know, she's finding that too. She's just come into her channeling in the last couple of years and she's bringing through, you know, concepts that we have no words for and she's struggling to find the word equivalent to the energy she's receiving. And I also saw you finding that word equivalent for something that you're perceiving. It's, it's, yeah. um, 
<laughs> getting back to you were talking about making it more mainstream, making it more scientific. Something that Esther said that really was defining for me was everything we're perceiving is energy that we're interpreting. So there are photons in the air that go into our eyes that translate into energy that we perceive as sight. And like there's just vibration that goes into the ear and then there's an interpretation of that energy into sound. And she was saying the same about intuitive. It's just energy being interpreted through your emotions. You're feeling it, you're sensing it, you're seeing it with your... It's, it's the same as our physical senses. It's just interpretation of energy. I thought that was lovely mainstream understanding for something that seems so woo-woo. <laughs> right? I would definitely hit the bell and agree with how she explained it. Yeah, like, jacking up your five senses just a little bit more you know how can you put your five senses to the test and make them work a little bit harder for you because they want to they're already perceiving all the information within the energy that's around us they're already doing it Mm -hmm. it's just our our level of opening up the faucet and allowing ourselves to believe in it as well Everything that's getting translated is getting translated through our own belief system as well. So we have a few variables, you know, that need to get adjusted on the soundboard to make it harmonize just right where we go, oh my God, I'm having an aha moment. I get it. And it's crazy because once you get the aha moment, Mm -hmm. you're in, you're done. And I wish more people would talk about that because in our civilization, we say there's a process that you need to study for something and then you need to be in the career before you're seen as an authority figure in it and that you know more. And with this enlightenment, oh my God, it can boil you down overnight. And all of a sudden, three months into it, you're like, uh, I have to quit my job as a lawyer, as a doctor. You know, it's happening everywhere. As a taxi cab driver, I am now a psychic medium. I am now this. And then people just kind of laugh at it. And they're like, oh, sure you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you studied that all your life. And they're like, this is real. And they get it. And I wish we could just stand up and applaud those people who just acknowledged it and got it because it's valid. It's yeah. valid. I don't know why we say, oh, well, you know, you must be good because you've done it for 10 years or 30 years or 25 years. You know, it, the time frame really doesn't matter with abilities like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and then they try and regulate it. So then there's like an association for energetic medicine and you have to fit into some sort of box and it's like art, you know, an artist creates and, and then they teach you, oh, you know, I, my daughter was studying art and I was saying to her art teacher, I don't know how you can teach anybody art, right? How do you teach somebody their creative abilities? And she said something beautiful to me. She said, we don't teach art here. This is this huge art school here in Sydney. She said, we just create a space where people can come together and collaborate and hang out and like bring through their creative. And I just said, great answer. You, know? <laughs> you can't That's teach the space. Art. Yeah, you just create a space where people come together and collaborate and, and bring through their creative gifts. And I guess that's what you're doing with the Love and Light Centre. This is why I want to talk to you about, you know, what's happening with the Love and Light Centre because at the time we tried to connect last year, you were really expanding the centre. You were coming out of the channelling Eric, being the voice for Eric and expanding the centre. What are you doing with the centre? What's going on there? Yeah, it was at a point where I had to make a hard decision. You know, before I met channelling Eric, before I met Elisa, I was... You know, I already had the center. I was looking at, you know, I had shot a few pilots. I'm very interested in getting into media 
to mainstream this and, and have it very conversational. That excites me to no end. Being a teacher excites me. And once I got to the place where I was able to find a bigger space and build the center out a little bit more, the Center for Love and Light, which is basically, it's an event space. It's a rental space. Um, when I moved to Atlanta and I wanted to teach classes, I had to go to a hotel. And I had to pay enormous prices to rent a room at hotel and, you know, pay the food fee and the registrant fee, all this jazz. They had a few bookstores that would have rooms in the back that you could use, but it smelled, the light wasn't good. It didn't, you know, it wasn't conducive for creating a great learning environment. Mm-hmm. And, and most of the people who had spaces were like, well, you have to work like I do. You need to give a reading to me so I can prove that you're okay. Because they didn't want to put a stamp of approval on me. And I said, I don't need you to approve me. I just want to rent the space and it didn't exist. So the center for love and light allows you to rent space at low cost. That is non-denominational that has good light. It has, you know, wind current it has water features it has everything that you need to kind of move energy and keep it clean. And then you decorate it, you make it what you need for your classes. And we have people worldwide, Danielle Gibbons, mm-hmm. I believe you've had on your show. She's beautiful. She comes and rents and it's, it's phenomenal. So we start building a community like this. Mm-hmm. And then what grew from that was taking all of these classes and making an online institution, which is the Love and Light Institute that we soft launched last year, but we're going to do a hard launch later this year. We're helping people cultivate their potential within, helping them realize that when you're making a decision in life, when you're a spiritual being, an emotional being, and a human body, we need to acknowledge the mind, body, emotion, and soul. And if we can get them all acknowledged and all in the same page or in the same room, then any choices that you're making are going to fulfill all your needs. You know, a lot of our pain, separation, misunderstanding are all needs left unmet. Yeah. That's kind of the basis of nonviolent communication which Eric Meadows would chime in so much about. So I put myself through nonviolent communication for the last year, and it's phenomenal. And you start to recognize where we're not meeting our needs. And the Institute was kind of born from that. We'll have online classes, live streaming classes, and we're going to try to keep everything low cost for people all over and run them at all kinds of hours so we can be a bit more global with it. So we get a lot of comments, you know, from people from Australia. So we're... We're shaking it up a little bit. And, and the Lighter Side Show is similar to this here with Karin and helping people see this conversation, how other people are perceiving and viewing their energy, their subtle light body through interviews and just talking things out. And then I'm also doing the uh, channelings now, which is that, that's a different turn for me, though. I've been channeling about 20 odd years. This is Grace, your guide. And... Whoever else wants to come through. Yeah, Maitland and Grace. Maitland (laughs) Maitland is the little girl, isn't she? Yes. She cracks me up. Yeah, yeah. She was the one who would hide my keys in the freezer. Oh, really? Just letting you know that one. Ah, that's so interesting. Oh, I've lost, I had, a, I had a question and I've lost my train of thought. It's so interesting having a conversation with you. I'm finding it really hard to stay in my logical mind. <laughs> I keep spacing out. I did, this with, uh, I did this with Michaela the other day too. I kept spacing out and like trying to come back to those questions that are in my logical mind. <laughs> what I really loved is you 
do similar things. I mean, you have your talk show, you're putting yourself out there very vulnerable so people can see you, how you're processing it and, and digging deeper for the viewers, which is, you know, yeah. it's so needed and being a channel and a reader. Look, well, this is actually the question that I lost a minute ago. When I saw your ability and how amazing you are, I thought to myself, isn't that interesting that she's doing the lighter, the lighter show now and interviewing other people because you're so amazing. You could focus happily on just doing readings and make lots of money and then doing these shows, you know, I'm, I don't know how much money, I'm not making money out of it. It's, it's like a lot of time and a lot of effort, but we're not doing it for the money, right? But uh, yeah, I just found that I've got something to teach, but then you learn through people's stories. You learn through people's journeys. I mean, I remember reading a lot of Wayne Dyer's books when I was waking up and he was doing the step one, step two, step three. He had a lot of books like that, right? In one of his books, you'll see it when you believe it. He tells the story of finding his father and forgiving his father. Now, I could recite that word for word because it was his story. It was his journey and I remembered every detail of it and I remembered the lesson from it and I remember reading that thinking it is our stories that teach. It's not like step one, step two, step three, you know, be like this, do that and I just thought so I'm teaching through other people's stories and that's what you're doing with your show too. Yeah, I love it and you're right. It doesn't, for right now, it's not bringing in anything. There was a moment where I woke up and I said, you know, I've been doing readings for a living now for 25 years, day in, day out. Yeah. I used to do six a day. Yeah. I do four a day now and I work three days a week. And it's just like, I'm so grateful for it. I love it because I learn from every single one of them. Yeah. At the same time as a person, I'm ready to be challenged in another way. And for me, that shows up as, you know, getting people's stories out. Mm. practicing my interviewing skills, showing people how to channel, becoming the teacher. Mm. And so for me, this is kind of lighting a new fire underneath my bum for a little bit now. And it, it's he said, I love it. <laughs> he said, just like an Aussie. <laughs> just, we say bum in our household. <laughs> it's actually bunda, but I didn't think anybody would understand it. <laughs> Mum and bum. Yeah, just like an Aussie. <laughs> Instead of mom and but <laughs> sorry, I'm getting off track here. I think I think Maitland's here. <laughs> She's making me giggly. <laughs> she has been circling around. Grace, Eric popped in for a little bit, and I was like, "Come on, man, give me a space just for a second. Okay, so I want to talk about your relationship with Eric because obviously you met Eric through Elisa. And you had this amazing relationship with him. And then you're like, okay, I want to do my own thing. So did Eric, you know, what happened with Eric? Did he go away? Did you shoo him away? Did he sort of hang out and sort of sit on the couch? Good luck. Hey, um, I want to see what you're up to. Like, what's going on with this relationship with you and Eric? I know when I first started telling him, you know, I, I talked with Elisa probably about a year before we actually followed through with it because she was ready to up it a notch. It's going really well. and It is. And the family was pulling together and it was really exciting. And I was so afraid that I would really let her down one day because I knew in my heart of hearts, I wanted to teach. Yeah. I know. And I wasn't going to do this kind of reading for forever and a day. Like I think channeling Eric really is going to sustain and yeah. need that. So you know, we started talking about it. And of course I was nervous as hell. You know, I don't want to break anybody's heart or disappoint anybody. And so in the process of doing it, I would ask Eric and I'd be like, you know, is this okay? And he's like, you gotta do what you gotta do. 
I mean, he was number one encourager and it was like a little surprising. And he kept saying, yeah, tell my mom to get a dude. I want a dude's voice. He wanted like a really man voice, you know, oh, to channel him and talk. And I was like, yeah, good luck on that. <laughs> and afterwards I thought, okay, well, see you around kind of a thing. But he'll show up at my house. He'll pull the pranks. You know, there's times I'm texting Elisa. I'm like, he pulled a prank on me today. You know, he cut this off. He did that. He chants Apple to me for some reason. It drives me bananas. He'll get my daughter to chant Apple. And she has no idea what she's repeating. It. She's like, I don't know. I just want to say it. And I'm like, Eric, quit it. And he would just say it repetitively. And he just to irritate in a sweet way. He, he really is so adorable. <laughs> And um, he'll show up sometimes in, in, in sessions randomly. Hey, I'm dropping in. Hey, let him know. Da, 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 da. And then, you know, he's kind of gone, you know, and, and there's times where I've channeled, like when we separated channeling Eric, I didn't want to confuse anybody that whatever work I was doing was going to be Eric. You know, I, I needed yeah. to show them again that there were other guides and people that I've been working with previously. Yeah. And so I said, Eric, you got to give me a break so people can get used to who I am. Mm-hmm. And then I would come back from a channeling and everybody's like, ooh, and I'm like, Damn, I knew it. Like Eric would crash the party is what he would call it. Hey, I crashed the party. Of course he did a phenomenal job. Mm. But you know, then I'm texting Elisa going, Eric showed up tonight. I wanted you to know, you know, I didn't put him on the billing. I didn't advertise. I told him to give me a break. And I was like, God, your son is so dedicated. Anytime he can get across to get a message across to help people, that guy's going to do it. Yeah, I was like, how incredible is he? And it, he's not that he's so pushy and constantly breaks the rules. There's a ton that he obeys. I think I just like to talk about the ones that he breaks because I'm, I'm so surprised because I've never met another spirit who does that stuff. Who does that stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? This is what I loved about the channeling Eric thing was that like you, my intent, mission, desire, dream in life is to make this phenomenon more, you know, spirituality in general, more mainstream, right? It's not woo-woo, get it out of the crushed velvet and the dream. Not woo-woo, it's true-true. It's not woo-woo, it's true-true. And Eric was so relatable. He was so, like, you know, I call him the dead dude because I just love that. (laughs) It's like, yo. And he's so relatable and the energy of the now, the kids, like, you know, it's just, I love that his personality was so relatable. And obviously when we transition, we, and I think Paul Selleck talked about it like this, we take our character with us. So there's an aspect of us that will never shift, but our personality, you know, we're not the same personality. So we're not a 20 year old boy when we're dead. And I'm thinking, how come he's still a 20 year old boy when he's talking to you from spirit? But it's just like having that personality made it so relatable so touchable so accessible just fabulous just just fabulous the fact that he's like swearing and like dude <laughs> i remember the first conversation when elisa called me it was a referral through another client and she called in and this cute curly messy hair boy was just laying down some words and i was like oh it's kind of like you know when it, and i was stuttering and she was like just say it you know, kind of at that point, I mean, I think it was even maybe 18, 19 years, I found some spirits who would cuss a little, but he was like hard into it. And I was just like, I don't know what's going on. And she was like, that's the proof I needed that it was him. I was like, you're kidding. That was phenomenal. And he never dropped the ball since then, just 
straight on with the language. <laughs> Let's talk about Grace because she's another personality that's very strong. And even Danielle, when I was talking to Danielle, you know, when she brings through Mother Mary, there's another very strong personality there. It's really interesting how, because I always thought about spirit, mm, I don't know, a lot of people who channeled like when I started waking up to this were like, hello, my dear ones. It was always very soft and beautiful and not really relatable and um, (laughs) it was interesting and and I couldn't listen to a lot of it but Grace is also another very strong personality she has an English accent who is Grace and why does she have this English accent what was her last incarnation what was going on there I'm going to get her to show up so I know I'm answering the questions (laughs) right Uh, I met Grace when I was writing my book it took me a whole year to write it and I remember sitting there going why would this little story be so important? You know, because I remember hearing in the back of my head, write about this, write about that. And I'm like, "Mm, that really doesn't mean anything. They're like, write it. And she came in over my shoulder and there was really no humor within her. She was very dry. She was speaking to me. And when I was doing meditation, she'd quietly show up and give me direction. And I thought, this is really nice because about this time, I had had a guide in my meditation tell me that he was saying goodbye, that our time was up. I kind of missed having that support around and she filled it on the opposing end. There was Maitland, you know, jabbing me, filling me with jokes. And so I had very serious and then very playful, crazy in a way. When I started to do channelings 10 years ago, I opened them to the public and I would have about 40 people in a room and I would start to channel. Maitland immediately was like, I'm the opening act. She's like, I'm going to get everybody comfortable. And she would come in and do answer questions all about animals and everything that she loved. And people were just like, this is kind of crazy. Uh, Thank you. You know, and then Grace would come in and there was no laughter, nothing. I mean, just straightforward. And when people started asking, you know, because I never questioned her, what was your last incarnation? Why do you speak this way? I would do that with Maitland because I kind of got spooked that she was a little girl, honestly, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I think of those horror movies and things and and she would... (laughs) But she chooses to be that age. Yeah. And Grace's carnation that she associates the most with was in England. And she talks a lot about the relationship with her mother. I know she talks about being corseted. She talks about being strong and wanting to get dirty. They raised horses and they had running and hunting dogs. So they had wealth and she was expected to behave a certain way that rubbed her wrong. You know, she really wanted to have more of the masculine strength and and it just wasn't expected of her at that time. So through the years, she starts to make jokes now and she'll laugh at herself and share just a little bit more. I don't know why she's retained the accent. It doesn't do me any good. I mean, maybe it helped me in my head when I was meditating to separate who she was Mm -hmm. or if she just really relied on that because it represented her personality the best Um, because the way I met her is she would help people incarnate she would like counsel spirits and helping them kind of see why they were creating what they were creating Mm -hmm. and how their free will played into these lessons that they were designing for themselves Mm -hmm. I found that so interesting that I would quiz her on these things because I'm I want to know more. I don't remember going through that. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I helped you. And she was, I helped thousands of others. And there's times where I'll do readings and she'll come in and she goes, I remember you. And she starts talking about these experiences and you just watch the person's body just get calm and just go, 
this is crazy. I feel like I know her. Is that weird? Am I stealing your guide if I tell her to come with me and, you know, ask her questions? I'm like, yeah, you, you can't steal Grace. I don't own her. So uh, go ahead. <laughs> She helped me in my incarnations and she is the one who constantly reminds me you're here to wake people up. And that's how she puts it to me. Mm -hmm. You know, the days that I want to walk away or the days where I just go, I I can't believe I even do this. You know, what the hell? It's Mm -hmm. crazy. You know, why do I still hear them? Why is this my real? Why is this my real? Why can't it be everybody else's real? And she's like, Jamie, you agreed to this. Yeah. Move forward, wake them up. You won't regret this. Because there's days where I'm overwhelmed by it and I don't want to do the readings because I'm so overwhelmed. And, you know, I leave in tears and I get wrecked. I do my best to set my boundaries, you know? Yeah. Where you're like, I'm not taking it on. I'm just translating this. But it feels so close to home. And sometimes I miss home. I cry right now. Are you kidding? I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. But there's, you know, it deep sadness and a deep loneliness and there's something else that a lot of people don't talk about they're like oh Jamie I wish I could do it like you do I wish I had these gifts I wish I wish I wish and I'm like really do you also wish that you felt this as well because I think with it comes that loneliness you know because we agreed to be here yeah Mm. oh darling I'm hearing you this has been you know to get really personal this has been my struggle interestingly enough since last year since Eric you know I also spoke to Natalie Sudman last year who was blown up in a bomb blast and she found herself in front of like thousands of people it was one minute in the body the next minute bang she's in front of thousands of beings downloading like she's quite a evolved soul like no white lights and tunnels just straight there and she said I'm not going back (laughs) they said to her Let me just remind you of the agreement that you had. (laughs) Already, I'm like, oh, my God, no, please keep her. Don't put her back. back. She came back and she wrote this amazing book called The Application of Impossible Things, which is amazing. It's just beautiful. It's such an amazing book. But knowing where you come from and knowing who you are and then being here, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. And yet, and so my guides keep telling me there is no separation between here and there. There is only your perception. And, you know, you don't have to be dead to be dead. They keep telling me this because I'm like, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. And they're like, let me just remind you of your agreement. (laughs) And they keep telling me, you are already home. You just have to shift Mm. your perception. Be home here. Like be in the vibration of home here. Like stop indulging in negative ideas that this is hard, this is difficult, this is not where I belong. All those are just thoughts that torture you while you're here. And when you go home, you look back on your physical mind and you go, oh, damn, I said I'd enjoy myself and I still indulged in all that crap. (laughs) Corinne, are you going to teach that class? (laughs) Teach that class of how it's not hard, how we... Be at home at home. 
<laughs> yeah, be at home here. Be at home. You know, they, this is what they've said to me. They've said to me, it's like going to, I've said this a few times on interviews, it's like going because they keep repeating it to me, going on holiday. So you come to Australia, yeah. right? And then while you're in Australia, you're seeing Bondi Beach and you're seeing the beauty of Australia and then thinking, I wish I was back in Atlanta. I wish I was home. I wish I was home. But it's kind of like you came to have this holiday. You came to enjoy yourself be here and enjoy yourself and stop wishing you were home and that's what they tell me (laughs) because I keep one long holiday (laughs) a long holiday but when you look at time through broader perspective it's a it's not even a nanosecond I was having this discussion with Garnet about ghosts you know like disembodied souls that wander around still attached to their egoic mind thinking that they're, you know, earthbound souls. Because I didn't believe in that. I just thought, Esther Hicks said, every death the soul re-emerges, like you re-emerge to pure positive energy. There's no souls walking the earth and being lost. And the fact that the majority of us is non-physically focused anyway, you know, like the higher self yeah. is non-physically focused and there's these, these different timelines out in different time and space and dimensions all happening simultaneously, all our different lives are happening simultaneously. How can one soul be earthbound? So it's an aspect of the soul. It wouldn't be your yes. soul, but an aspect that's still believing the egoic, the limited mind, even though they're not in a physical body. And I said to Garnet, why do their guides let them do that for like 200 years? And he said, but yeah, 200 years from that perspective is like, Right. There's moments. Wow, we are we about to get personal? <laughs> um, oh <my> God. <laughs> I had a moment where I wanted my guides to show up. I needed assistance. You can call it maybe I was stuck in a astral travel or an outer body travel, and I was begging. I needed them. Nobody came. Nobody came. I felt so abandoned when I came to. It was just like, what were you guys doing? I needed help. I was calling for help. And they're like, well, that was your experience. We can't interfere when you, you know, allowed something and designed something for you. And I was like, that's not fair. I was like, I was consciously aware I needed help. (laughs) Wouldn't that break it? That's free will. And they're like, sometimes, and this is an occasion, you know, we're not available for that. You know, and I tell them, boy, if I die and for some strange reason I choose just to kind of stay earthbound, I was like, you guys better scoop me up in a limo and drive me across to the higher dimensional planes and set me free. (laughs) They're like, well, that you can choose. You know, they kind of share that when you're there, as soon as you recognize that you're stuck in something or that you want help, that assistance is provided. But just knowing that there's other times where it's not provided, well, that just kind of blows my mind. I'm still learning about all of this. Just but kind of like I said, you've chosen wow. that. Like you've given yourself that challenge. It's not that it's not provided, but you've said from that perspective, you know, maybe not from our egoic perspective or personality, you know, I'm going to take this challenge. Don't help me. Don't help me. Don't help me. I can do this. Don't help me. Don't help me. I can do this. So like that's been that choice that you've made. But when you're in it, I don't know. Yeah. It's like think of, but think of climbing Mount Everest. Like, I can do this, I can do this. You get on the mountain, your fingers are falling off, you know, you're half dead and you say, I didn't choose this. <laughs> what? Save me. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and then you come down missing some fingers and you go, oh, my God, I did that. I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going to be returning to Antarctica. I went this March. 
as a participant with Sir Robert Swan. And the Love and Light Institute is going to be teaching the leadership program in March 2017 to Antarctica. That's that amazing. Was, I'm so excited. And what's going on with Antarctica? There seems to be an, it's attracting a lot of social entrepreneurs, change makers. Yeah, it's interesting. Our world is changing fast, physically and energetically. Yeah, it is. It's, it's amazing. So where are we going with this conversation? It's already <laughs> So much fun being here with I you. Know. I keep having a problem hanging on to sort of thought. I just want to drop into this expanded space. Okay, so Jamie Butler is the lighter side show. You're interviewing uh, like this show, like Accentuate the Positive. You know, yeah. I, I named this show Accentuate the Positive because that's the teaching in itself, right? When we're feeling like, I don't want to be here anymore. It's like, and my guides say, Accentuate the Positive. You know, what's great about being here? What do you love about being here? That was actually something Eric said through you that I found really helpful. So I think there were questions about what do you miss about being physical? Because, you know, when you think of being non-physical, unlimited, expanded bliss, pure positive energy, just like no huge challenges. And he said there's no stopping. Mm -hmm. You can't touch like that. You can't hit something. There's no like when two energies meet and then they stop like physical. And that really fascinated me. And I thought imagine missing that, missing that tangible feeling that was helpful I, after that interview man I started hugging everybody I would just announce I'm a hugger and I would just come in and grab people I was like I don't want to forget this yeah strangers you know and they're like okay I guess I'm a hugger and I'm like bring it in to the listeners it's like what is oh. one of your favorite things to experience right now hold on yeah. to that what I was going to say before, when you were talking about the kids coming in, having all these abilities already, like they're coming in at a certain level. They're just like, this is it. Yeah. And they prioritize so different. Like I had a mom come in today. She brought her little infant. Oh my God. He was like a tiny nugget. And they were talking about him and they're just like, listen, don't get upset with him. He has already prioritized that people are way more important than taking a test and doing well at school. So if he has a choice, he will help a friend rather than stay in class. Like he has already prioritized the importance of relationship over getting a grade. And so keep that in mind as you're parenting him and helping him, because if you focus on grades, he's going to have a hard time. And it started dawning on me. I was like, man, all these kids that people are now saying, oh, you know, they just think they own the place. They're being, what is it, righteous, know-it-all, things yeah. like that, handed to them. No, I don't think it is. I think they're coming in and they've got priorities completely set up different. Mm. And thank God they do because they're going to be the pokers and the motivators to help flip the way that we're organizing our culture, organizing our rules, our laws, things of that nature, to pay attention more towards the importance of humanness, the importance of our emotions, what our needs are, and not so much on the level of success, the monetary values coming in. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change pretty fast. I call them the disruptors. I the love disruptors. The disruptors. The change that the t-shirts now. The disruptors. I love it. Look, I'm just thinking of my uh, nephew. He came to me before he was born and said hello. Hello. 
when I told my sister-in-law she was having a girl, then Thomas turned up. I said, you're not a girl at all. And he goes, no, but he looked like a girl. He's so pretty. But he is like, he was born on September 11, right, that day, the day the flowers came down, right? And I said to my brother, who doesn't believe it, and I said, well, we won't forget his birthday. Like that's how I explained it because I just thought, oh, my God, he's here to change the world. I mean, he's come in on this day, like towers are falling. He's like, I'm down there. I'm getting in. He's just so struggling at school. He just doesn't do school. And his parents are just tearing their hair out because he just does not do academia. And he's brilliant, psychic, beautiful boy, but his parents who are not really awake, although they have this crazy sister and sister-in-law that's been talking this stuff for years, they're just struggling with him, you know, and I just see that struggle with him and I know they're not alone as parents with children who are the disruptors. They're just not going to fit in because they're not here to fit in. They're here to change the system. Thank you. I can't wait till we get to the place where we support those children by saying, hey, you don't have to go to traditional school. You don't have to be tested to certain levels. You function a different way. You live in a different way. Let's support that. Mm -hmm. But we had to pull our kids out of traditional school in the States and find specialty schools where they could be happy in the learning process. Both kids, they don't value school. They're like, "Mm -mm." Uh mm-mm. Not that they they have respect for teachers. They love new information, but they love gaining it when they're interested in it. And then people are like, oh, well, you're not disciplining them enough. You know, you're just letting them do what they want to do. And it's like, no, children are intelligent. They just won't harp on one topic. Oh, darling, we've got to go. Tell people where your website is. You can find me at withloveandlight.com. And I'm also launching a new site. It's Jamie Butler Medium. And of course, you can look up Jamie Butler Medium. We're on all the social media outlets, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Thank you so much. much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me for another show, accentuating the positive here on the home of Conscious Music, Soul Traveler Radio. Remember to support Conscious Music, Consciousness. Go to Soul Traveler Radio on Facebook and accentuate the positive radio with Karen Swain on Facebook. Check out my website, karenswain.com, for any readings and teachings available about spiritual, deliberate creation for the change makers, difference makers and disruptors catch you next time thanks for listening bye for now